All right, we have made it to John chapter 13. We're really only going to look at the first uh, 20 verses. This is the famous story about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Everybody here heard that story before? Hopefully you found the notes. I've got them here for you here. Uh, We're going to be reading this out of the Scriptures version once again. Let me just read all 20 verses, and then we'll go back and try to look at this so that I can read this and it be in context. So starting in verse 1, it says, And before the festival of Passover, Yeshua, knowing that his hour had come, that he should move out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper taking place, the devil had already put it into the heart of Yehuda from Kiriath, that's Judas Iscariot, son of Shimon, to deliver him up. Yeshua, knowing that the Father had given all into his hands and that he had come from Elohim and was going to Elohim, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and having taken a towel, he girded himself. And after that, he put water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the taught ones and to wipe them with the towel which, with which he was girded. And so he came to Simon Kepha, and he said, to, and he said to him, Master, do you wash my feet? Yeshua answered and said to him, You do not know what I'm doing now, but you shall know after this. Kepha said to him, By no means shall you wash my feet ever. Yeshua answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Kepha said to him, Master, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Yeshua said to him, He who has had a bath does not need to wash except his feet, but is clean altogether. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would deliver him up, so he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments, he sat down and said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and master, and you say, well, for I am. If then I, master and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is an emissary greater than he who sent him. For you know these teachings. If you know these teachings, blessed are you if you do them. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture might be fulfilled, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I say to you before it takes place that when it does take place, you shall believe that I am. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Me And we pray that God would honor the reading of his word. Amen. So let's jump back up in here into verse 1 through 3 here where it says that this was before the festival of the Passover. And Yeshua, knowing that his hour had come, that he should move out of this world unto the Father. In verse 3, it also says that Yeshua, knowing that the Father had given all into his hands and that he had come from God, had come from Elohim, and was going to Elohim. Folks, here again is why it is extremely important for us to learn from this as an example and understand where we came from, who we are, and where we're going. When you understand that, you can live beyond the moment. 
Anybody here other than me get caught up in the moment when all the stuff hits? Anybody here somebody see my Facebook post with all my, <laughs> my tractor and the mower and somebody said, you know, something was texting me or messaging me on, on what was going on. I said, yeah, I said, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. That's just the stuff I posted. <laughs> and I said, I'm ready for a calm season. It just seems like it's been one thing after another, after another, after another. But when that stuff happens, isn't it kind of easy to get caught up in the, in the moment? I mean, you would have had to have seen me in my yard. What, what I didn't tell everybody was I had the trailer, the little uh, uh, fertilizer spreader hooked up to the tractor, to the little lawnmower, and it was about three-fourths full in my backyard with it sprinkling, and it quit. So I'm out there by hand, because what am I going to do, try to put it back in a bag, you know? And I'm out there by hand putting it on the weeds and stuff, and then I'm literally... I grabbed the little tractor, but I got to lean way down because it'll be too tall. I'm too tall, so it'd be leaning. And I'm walking through my yard like this. And I said, well, now I'm the mule. <laughs> you know, and I'm just out there going, well, great. Uh, because the, the tractor that I've got picking up the little lawn mower, it needs to get fixed too. And I'm like, well, okay, well, whatever. Uh, but it's so easy in those, in those moments, right, to get caught up in the moment and not be able to live beyond that with the bigger uh, biblical perspective. Um, and this is what Yeshua is able to do because, folks, he's headed to the cross and he knows it. And it says that he knew that his hour had now come. Remember, we've already talked about a couple times when he's like, look, it's not my time yet. It's not my hour yet. He slips through their hands and stuff because it wasn't his hour yet. It wasn't his time. And now he's going, it's fine. Don't worry about him. Uh, now he's going, look, uh, I know that my hour has come. And he knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows he's, he's moments. He's hours away from being arrested. And then he's going to be beaten and scourged and nailed to a cross. He knows he's like... Uh, I was born for this moment. But the key thing to help understand here is verse 3 where it says, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he came from God and he's going back to God. This is key to understanding even what, it, what all is, else is about to happen in this whole foot washing thing. Watch this because in verse 2 it says, and supper taking place, the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Shimon, to deliver him up. The devil was actively involved in this, but it also doesn't uh, take away Judas's responsibility. Why was the devil able to do that to Judas? Well, because even though Yeshua chose him, he really wasn't one of his. Remember, he's been talking about this. We've spent a, a few weeks ago, we talked about how those that cannot receive the word of God can't receive it because they're not of God. And they don't even have a heart to receive it. And so what they end up getting is what they already wanted. Right? What we end up getting, what we already really want in our heart. And folks, that is, 
is what should scare us about our country. Um, I, I have heard more than once in the last month that there's another civil war coming to our country, and this time it won't be over slavery, but it'll be over abortion. I don't see that as being far-fetched. But when there's that many people willing to literally go bonkers over the right to kill babies, you got to go, God's going to say, you want death? I'll give you death. I'm going to give you what's already in your heart. And I believe he's already, this is my opinion, okay? Now, this is my opinion. It's going to go on record now. I probably already said it before, but this is my opinion. I believe we're already living in the events of the book of Revelation, and I think the spirit of delusion's already been poured out. So, I mean, I think we're already right there. So, but what I want you to see here is that Judas, he's here at the meal. And... <clears throat> It says here that the devil's already placed it in his heart to betray Yeshua. He's already put it in his heart to do this. Um, and I, and I, I have to let, point out something here. If you're not highlighting this, at least on your notes or in your Bible, I, I miss having a hard Bible, this little side note. But I just love being able to highlight my digital Bible so much and it syncs with all my stuff. Um, where I, I really highlighted it twice in my digital version here where it says, the Father had given all into his hands. He knew that. And this is moments before he's about to die and moments before Judas is about to betray him and yet Jesus knows that God the Father has put all things in his hands, which means if he wanted to, he could have stopped and changed everything. But he didn't. Man, you talk about love, grace, and mercy. Oh, my goodness. Let's continue on. Verse 4 says that he rose, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and this is where he's you know, washing their feet. I've been involved, anybody here been involved in a foot washing ceremony? It's uh, interesting. It's humbling. Uh, there's something we can learn from that, but um, I, I want to point out something because, and I'm not, I'm not taken away from that. It's very, very humbling. But it's also the way we do it today or the act of doing it today is extremely disconnected. Why? Well, because this was an act that basically, if you were wealthy enough that you had servants or whatever, that you would have servants that would do that, or you would have water and a towel and oil and things ready for travelers to come in and clean themselves up before they came in your house. Why? Because everybody walked. Uh, sitting down talking with my mom last night, she made dinner and we were just talking and talking about, you know, because she's 92, so she's seen a lot of changes. She grew up over in Emory, Texas, not far from here. 
And I asked her, I said, because uh, she's she talking about them not having a car. I said, so y'all, y'all didn't have a car? She goes, oh, no, we didn't have a car. We came in Dallas. And, <clears throat> and I said, so y'all had chickens? And she goes, oh, we had chickens and horses. She's naming off all this stuff. And, uh, and uh, I said, so you basically either walked or you rode in a wagon. She said, exactly. She goes, everybody did. And the reason that came up was because Sonia and Renee, if you hadn't noticed, they're not here. They're in Tyler. They're having a girls' night, girls' weekend, Sonia, Renee, and Sonia's sister. So they're in Tyler. And I'm sitting there talking to my mom. Like I said, she was raised in Emory, Texas. Y'all know where Emory is. You know what she said to me? I've never been to Tyler. And I said, you've never been to Tyler? She goes, nope. I went, Mom, Tyler's not that far from Emory. She goes, well, when you lived in Emory, when I lived in Emory, it might as well have been overseas. <laughs> you know, because you had to walk or ride a horse to get there. And she goes, and we left Emory and went to Dallas. And she goes, and I, I, haven't, I haven't, been to, haven't been to Tyler. I, th- I found that shocking. Uh, but it, it got me to thinking about those days and seeing that and living in a time like that and then what we're talking about tonight. It was just interesting how God puts those kind of conversations together for me. And what I want you to understand is this was a very common um, service for people. Much like make, you know, giving them something to, to wipe their shoes off or a place to hang their jacket or watch this. Put gas in their car. Okay? So the picture here is to literally be a servant and take care of other people's needs, no matter how lowly. I mean, we sit there and go, you're going to wash my feet? I mean, I wear shoes, you know? Some people are like, I'm going to wear shoes because I don't want you seeing my feet. Right? Right? Uh, or whatever, and so for us, it's just it. There's this cultural disconnect because we don't we don't wash our feet before we walk into a house because we've been walking all day on dusty roads. If we've been walking, typically it's on a paved road, right? I mean, and we've got different kinds of shoes and footwear, and chances are our feet aren't dusty. They may be real smelly but they're not dusty, right? You following me? Well, this was a very, very common service that you would have, uh, you know, for people. This wasn't out of the ordinary. What was out of the ordinary was Yeshua is, and they understand him to be the Messiah. But the host of a home would provide this for his guests, if he didn't have a servant that would do the work, it wouldn't be unheard of for him to help that process, whether he actually washed their feet or made it available or whatever. You see what I'm, what I'm getting at here? Um, and so this is why he starts doing this, and Simon goes, you're going to wash my feet? There's a question mark there. If you didn't notice that in your note, then you're in the passage. He's like, you're washing my feet? And so Yeshua says, this, this is important. You really need to understand. This is huge, okay? Because in, in verse 7, it says, Yeshua answered him and said, 
You don't know what I'm doing right now, but you're going you're gonna to understand it later. Wow. That's huge. Let me show you why. It's prophetic because he's saying, you're going to understand this after the fact and after the resurrection. But you don't understand it now. The re- you, you, you can't put the two together, but you just need to trust me, okay? This is showing Yeshua's deity, the fact that he is one and the same with God. And we're going to see this even more pronounced in just a moment. But he goes, you don't understand it now, but you will know it after this. After all this is done, then it's going to come back, and then you're going to fully understand what I'm talking about. Simon, Kepha, responds back immediately with, uh, you're not ever washing my feet. Here again, you know, everybody wants to bust Peter's chops about, you know, uh, talking before he thinks. I wish more of us were like Peter. Um, because I want you to see what he's, he's like. He understands that Yeshua is the Messiah, and he's like, you're not doing this for me. This is ridiculous. If anybody needs to be washing somebody's feet, we need to be washing your feet, not you washing our feet. And so Yeshua says to him, this is awesome, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Now, this is the note that I wrote down here. You might want to jot this down. That is, if you think it's worthwhile. Here we should see two things. Number one, that the washing of Yeshua is a continual process and not a one-time salvation event. Because notice he said, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. This is made clear when Yeshua tells Peter that he only needs his feet washed because he'd already been made clean. This is the part of us that becomes contaminated by the world. See, Peter's like, no, you know, you're not going to do this. He's like, yeah, I need to wash. He's like, then wash all of me, you know, my heads and my hands and, you know, everything. And he's like, no. Um, so what is it that Yeshua washes? He washes his feet. It's the part of our body that became contaminated by the world. The, these and so he's teaching a twofold lesson here. Does that sound like something that you should be familiar with? It sounds like what? The book of Leviticus, when he says, when you're going to come into my presence, the part that became contaminated by the world has to be made clean. And that had to be done when? Continually. You following that? In other words, once again, Yeshua is not doing anything by accident. Neither is anything in the Old Testament by accident. It is powerful. Um, My next statement is, does this sound like Leviticus cleansing, the Leviticus cleansing to enter the temple? Yes. What are we now? What are we called? We're called what? The very temple of God. Very temple of Elohim. Number two, Yeshua is serving his own 
and his own are to serve others in the same way they are served by the master. All of us get that, right? We've heard that, you know, because he's saying, I'm giving you an example. If I've washed your feet, you need to wash everybody else's feet, right? We all get it. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, yeah, we're, we're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to wash each other's feet. This is the physical application of Yeshua's spiritual example that he's displaying. He's doing something in the physical to also teach a spiritual truth. This is where it's going to get real challenging. For me, it's it's challenging. I have to admit, it's it's like he's giving us an example and he gave them an example. There's an unsaid element to this foot washing that nobody really talks about much. But let me let me continue on and then we'll look at the uh, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Um If Yeshua is not serving us, then how are we to serve others in the same way he's serving us? It's impossible. So Yeshua needs to be serving us, right? He needs to have helped us, saved us, served us, so that we can in turn serve others. Those that have been forgiven much, love much. Those that know they've been forgiven much, it's a whole lot easier for them to forgive others and to be patient with others. When you're like, look, I'm a slime ball saved out of the pit of hell. I've got nothing to be proud about. You don't have uh, an ax to grind. You're, you, you don't have an ego anymore. You're just, you just want to help other people. He is not bothering me. Okay. Just want to make sure that you're, you're, you're good with that. So here's the part about this whole foot washing that is extremely challenging. Let me, because no one talks about it. So he's saying, I've done this for you and you're to do it for others. We're all good with that, right? Who all did he wash? All 12 of them. Did he wash Judas's feet? So he was actually serving and ministering to Judas. That's beyond forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah, okay, I forgive you. But that doesn't mean I got to be your friend. Well, that's not really Yeshua's example. Yeshua's example is not only forgiveness, but I'll bend down and wash your feet. I'll help you pump gas in your car. If you've been out like me, you know, taking care of sheep and cows and stuff, I'll help you get that sheep poo off your shoes. I will be your servant. You see, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but darkness is not supposed to be connected with light, and how can you be unequally yoked, and why would you do this, and blah, 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 Right? You see, here's what's bothering me about our country and and the state that we're in because everybody wants to boycott everybody. And there's a part of me that goes, yeah, 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 you know. At the same time, where would we be if instead of bashing Hollywood, 
we showed up on their doorstep and started praying for them and ministering to them and washing their cars. What would happen if the church actually lived out what Jesus did? We'll do foot, like I said, we'll do a, you know, a foot washing ceremony. Where does that always happen? In the church with other church people. All that's fine, but we forget Judas was there. He washed Judas's feet. And he said, this is my example. You go and do the same. You see, leadership in the kingdom is service-minded. So in verse 8, this is where, you know, Peter goes, you know, by no means shall you wash my feet. And he goes, you know, if I don't wash your feet, have no part of me. And then Peter goes, Master, well, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. So this should be the typical response and desire of all true followers of Yeshua. Total, constant cleansing. This is where I'm talking about how Peter gets such a, a bad name, you know, about having foot and mouth disease, and he's always speaking before he's thinking, and he's always doing before he thinks and everything. I'm going, I've said this before, Peter jumped out of the boat, nobody else did. Say what we want, what we want. Yeah, but Peter denied him. You know what? But Peter's the one here going, well, they're not just my hands, not just my feet. Wash all of me, Jesus. That should be our response always towards God. Amen? It's called total repentance. Uh, even though Peter did not need another salvation experience, he expressed that he doesn't want just part of his body cleansed, but all of it. How many of us today only want to give Yeshua or God part of our lives? How many of us want to only repent of certain sins? How many of us, watch this, because I think all of us are extremely guilty of this on varying levels. How many of us compartmentalize our spiritual and social lives? We compartmentalize it. Yeah, but this is my spiritual life. That's, well, that's work. But, you know, this is church. That's work. This is God. This is the world. Da 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 da. We have to go, well, okay. God wants all of it. All of it, 110%, all of it. Yeshua slash God Elohim wants all of our lives. How do we know that? We're supposed to love Him with all that we have and all that we are. Um, so <clears throat> He goes, Master, not only... not." not my feet only, but also my heads and my hand. And Yeshua said to him, he who has had a bath does not need a wash except his feet, but is clean altogether. And you are clean, but not all of you. I want you to see here, it's not just my opinion about this salvation issue and the salvation and uh, continual cleansing that Jesus is talking about here because he, he, he tells him what the issue is. You've already been made clean, Pete. 
I just need to wash your feet. There's, a, there's this teaching moment. And he goes, you've already been made clean. Uh, we, we don't, you don't need a whole bath. Because then later, what does what he say? But not all of you. So see, here we also know he's not talking about a physical bath. Because he literally says, you're clean, but not all of you. The next sentence is an um, editorial comment from John. John's writing this letter, correct? He's writing this book. He says in verse 11, he says, For he knew who would deliver him up, so he said, Not all are, not, are, all, all, you are not all clean. Uh, not all of you are clean. So here he's talking about Judas. And Judas is one that he's washing his feet. That's incredible, right? So it should make us think our attitude should never be it's just me and Jesus. Look, it's us. And our job is to serve each other and make sure that each other is okay. Even if that other other <laughs> offended you. If, if Jesus could wash Judas's feet, then you and I should get over that guy that cheated you out of some money or your boss that gave you a hard time or so-and-so said so-and-so about you or, right, or whatever that we hold grudges about over and is, would Yeshua be happy about that? No, because we're told not to hold grudges, Right? So he says, you know, but not all of you are clean. So let's look at verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments, he sat down and said to them, you don't know what I've done to you. You call me teacher, master, and you say, well, for I am. He's not talking about the fact that he is just teacher. I am the teacher, but he's saying, I am that I am. You're, you're calling me master, Lord, Messiah, and if you will, rabbi. And he's saying, you're speaking well because I am. I am who I say I am. He's literally talking about his divinity, the fact that he's God. And he goes, then if I, master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to also wash one another's feet. Then he says, I gave you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, this is where it's it just, the longer I study the scriptures, the longer, uh, the, the more clear God makes his word to me, the more frustrated I get over our typical, shallow uh, spiritual practices. Because here's what we do. We, just, we take it all very in a shallow way and say, oh, so we're supposed to have a foot washing ceremony. And so, and, and we've done it, um, but he's saying, I've given you the example that you should do everything that I've done to you. And the part that we don't focus on 
is Judas. You see, it's real easy to help somebody that you like, isn't it? It's a whole nother matter to help somebody and be Jesus to somebody that you just really, be honest, you just don't like them. They're just evil, mean, and nasty. Sometimes they're just rude, crude, and annoying, right? And yet, Yeshua says that we're supposed to be servants of people, praying for people, instead of boycotting everybody. I've started, I started trying to figure it out. and I'm, I'm not going to put together a list, but I'm going, so I can't wear these kinds of jeans, and I can't wear those kinds of jeans, and I can't go to Disney World, and I can't watch anything that Disney does. And, you know, the list goes on and on. There's all these products that I can't use, and I can't do, and I can't go here, and blah, 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 blah. And now, you know, all the liberals are, are boycotting us, and I'm like, oh, so everybody's just going to boycott everybody. And is that going to get anywhere? Is that really going to get us anywhere? I mean, do we really think that the people that are worth billions care what we even think? Especially at this point. I mean, because now everybody's what? Fighting mad. Literally. Um, we, we need to understand this because as things get bad, Folks, we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God, doing what the Spirit of God is telling us, what Yeshua is telling us, laying out for us here in Scripture, because, folks, he's God in the flesh, and he said, this is what I'm telling you to do. Go do it. Don't just believe it. Go do it. So he continues with this comment, verse 16, he says, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor is an emissary or an ambassador greater than the one that sent him. <clears throat> If you know these teachings, blessed are you if you what? Believe them. If you know these teachings, blessed are you if you've got them written down and highlighted in your Bible. If you know these teachings, blessed are you if you get them memorized. What's it say? You got to do it. If you know it, then you're blessed if you do it. You're not blessed if you know it. You're blessed if you do it. There's a lot of people that know it and don't do it. Folks, the devil knows it and doesn't do it. Don't be fooled just because people are entering a church, whether it be on a Sabbath or on a Sunday, that everybody's getting into the kingdom. Don't be fooled in thinking that the devil doesn't have his spies among everybody. You're blessed if you're doing it and confessing that Yeshua is the King of kings, God of all gods. So he makes everything clear in verse 18 where he says, I don't speak concerning all of you. I know I'm chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Oh my goodness. So he's literally making it clear and helping us understand over and over and over again about Judas. This is the part that I find fascinating. He's made it extremely clear that, that Judas is a main character in this story, even though he's kind of unspoken. He's like, I know who's mine. I know who's here. We've been told that the devil's already entered into Judas's heart, all this other stuff. No, not all of you are clean. And he's, he's like, uh, you know, 
I'm not saying this concerning, uh, you know, all of you, because I know I'm chosen. And then he makes this comment, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. This is huge. You're going to have to take a few notes here. I got a number of passages for you to write down. Because this, is, this quote is taken out of the psalm. It's Psalm 41, verse 9. Psalm 41, 9. This is what it says. Even my own friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. That's Psalm 41, 9. Question, who wrote the psalm? David. So David writes this psalm about someone who ate bread with him that was his friend, lifted up his heel against him. This is crazy. So if you remember that it's David writing it, then you got to go and find the event connected with this statement in the Psalms and it's found, write this down, 2 Samuel 16, 2 Samuel 16, verse 20, through chapter 17, verse 3. I'm going to read the first part of all of this. In verse 20, it says, So Absalom said to, to Ahithophel, Give your advice, what should we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go unto your father's concubines, whom he has left, to look after the house, and all Israel shall hear that you have made yourself a stench in your father, to your father, and the hands of all who are with you shall be strong. So this is where he tells Absalom, you need to go take your, your dad's concubines and basically have sex with them out on the porch, out front where everybody can watch you to know that you're declaring yourself as God, I mean as king, over your, your father, right? Um, so later on um, in chapter 17, it says, And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Please let me choose 12,000 men and let me rise and go pursue David tonight. And come upon him while he is weary and weak, and I shall make him afraid, and all the people who are with him shall flee, and I shall smite the sovereign alone and bring back all the people to you. When all return, except the man whom you seek, all, all the people should be at peace. <laughs> so what he's basically, he's, he's designing a coup, is what he's designing, on how to overthrow the government, uh, and to chase David, and to get a bunch of men and chase David, kind of like what's happening to our president. Okay, but to, to do all these things and do all this evil and chase David and all the people are going to say, well, you're strong, man, you're really making yourself out because we want a strong king, blah, blah, blah. And so he, he tell this is what you're going to do. And all, well, they don't really follow Ahithophel's advice. You have to write this verse down. Second Samuel 17, all the way down to verse 23. I'm skipping through here. Go home and read it yourself later. But in verse 23, look at this. Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed. So he saddled his donkey, rose up, went home to his house, to his city. Then he gave charge to his house and hanged himself and died and he was buried in his father's tomb. So Ahithophel 
who was part of David's entourage, counselors, counsels Absalom. This is how you overthrow your dad. You do all this stuff. They don't really follow his advice, meaning it didn't turn out the way he thought. And what does Ahithophel do? He hangs himself. What does Judas end up doing? Hanging himself. Why? Because it didn't turn out the way he thought. I believe Judas actually thought he was trying to help push Jesus into this situation to declare himself as the Messiah and do what he came to do. But what did he end up doing? He ended up being the devil's pawn because he was doing his own planning instead of letting God, Jesus, tell him what to do. You tracking with that? And so listen to this, because this is huge. So Yeshua says, all of this is happening so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. He who has eaten bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Here's what's fascinating. No one would have understood that that was prophetic until after Judas dies, the Holy Spirit comes. John's now writing all this. And God is now revealing that something written in the Psalms was actually prophetic, but it wasn't written as though it's prophetic. You following that? In other words, it's not like this is a prophecy clearly stated, oh, this is going to come true in the future. This is something that David has written and written about his own life. And now Yeshua is saying, all of this is happening. Even Judas, me washing his feet and everything, and he's literally going to dip... I'm going to dip the bread and give it to him. He's going to eat bread with us. And this one who was close to me will fulfill prophecy down to the very act of even killing himself when what he planned didn't turn out the way he thought. That's huge, right? Why would I say that? I'm going to show you some other passages here in a minute. We'll close. There's a lot in the scriptures that are prophetic, that we don't even realize are prophetic yet. Yeshua is saying, this is, this is like, you know, the purple smoke, like, um, so Yeshua says, you don't understand everything that's happening now, but you're going to understand it later. Does all this stuff, <clears throat> has all the foot washing thing, everything, but this is happening so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Then he quotes this thing out of Psalm. People didn't really realize that that particular statement was prophetic until after the fact, which is a lot of the prophecies about Yeshua. Most of them are not clear prophecies until you go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Oh, and you start seeing the shadow pictures going, oh wow, it's huge, right? If that is the case, and Yeshua is still about to fulfill more, doesn't it add more weight to our need in understanding what the Old Testament says? And if there's that many statements in here, we're going to see, it's, it's, it's just absolutely fascinating. If that's the case, there are things in there that could have incredible implications on our personal lives. 
then why in the world would we say it doesn't apply, don't study it, just read the letters that are talking about it? Doesn't that kind of go, it's this oxymoron, it's an oxymoronic thought to say that the Old Testament is, doesn't, we don't need it. You can just get some spiritual truths from it, but it's really not all the important. Are you kidding me? It is massively important. Now watch this. Um, verse 19, he says, now, I, and I highlighted this the biggest way I know how in my highlighting. Now I say to you, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you shall believe that I am. That should ring a bell for everyone here because you've been listening to me for a while. I've got a number of passages here that I want you to jot down and I want to read them to you. Isaiah 45, verse 21. You need to write it down. Isaiah 45, 21. God talking. Declare and bring near. Let them even take counsel together. Who has announced this from old? Who has declared it from that time? Is it not I, Yahweh? And there is no mighty one. God or king, you can interpret that how you want. Besides me, a righteous Elohim, a righteous El, and a Savior. That word would be what? In, he, in Hebrew, you should know this, Yeshua. <laughs> so God is saying, I've declared, you guys take counsel. We'll get to some more here in just a second. Who, who has ever declared the end of the matter from the very beginning? You guys take counsel. Go ahead and bring it here. Go ahead and tell me. Because I am the mighty one. I am the mighty God. There is no other God beside me. And I am your Yeshua. <laughs> there is none besides me. That's how it ends, that one verse. Jot this down. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former events. This is Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former events of old, for I am El. That's short for Elohim. I am God, and there is no one else. El, there, there is no one else. Elohim, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from of old that which has not yet been done, saying, my counsel does stand and all my delight I do. These are not the only ones that are in your Bible, but they're probably the most profound the next one I've got for you is a little bit longer, but it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Isaiah 41, verses 21 through 29. Isaiah 41, verses 21 through 29. Listen to this. Present your case, says Yahovah. Let your strong ones come near, says the sovereign of Jacob. Let them draw near and declare to us what is going to take place. Let them declare the former events, what they were, and we'll consider them. And know that the, know the latter end of them, or announce to us what is coming. Declare the events that are going to come hereafter. 
and we will know that you are mighty ones. Yea, do good or do evil, and let us be amazed and see it together. Then God is taunting them a little. I do. Verse 24, see, you are of naught, and your work a breath, nothing but a vapor. He who chooses you is an abomination. I have stirred up the one from the north and he comes from the rising of the sun and he calls my, on my name and he comes against princes as though they are mortar as a potter treads the clay. Who has declared from the beginning and we know and former times and we say he is righteous? No, no one is declaring. No, no one is proclaiming. No, no one is hearing your words. He who is, the far, who is first said to Zion, Zion, see, see them, and to Jerusalem, I give one who brings good news, and I see that there is no man, and of these there is no counselor who, when I ask of them, answers a word. They can't. See, all of them are useless. Their works are not their molded, molded images are wind and confusion. You seeing what he's saying here? He's, and I'm not through. There's one more. He goes, gather all your so-called gods. Go ahead and let them tell. Let's talk about everything that's happened in the past. Let's just use that as an example. And let's see when they told us all the things that would happen in the future. And as a matter of fact, why don't you just go ahead and tell us how the future is going to turn out? Go ahead and tell us, man. Let us be amazed. And he's basically saying, and none of them can answer a word. Why? Because they can't. Why? Because only Yahovah is outside of time and space. Every other being, including us, all demons, angels, all of that stuff, are created beings. You following all that? And so he's throwing down the gauntlet, isn't he? He's literally throwing down the gauntlet to all the other gods, Declare it. Who, who else is like me? Because I'm going to tell you the end of the matter from the very beginning. I'm going to tell you something's going to happen before it happens. Isn't that what Yeshua just did? Wow. Look at this last one here. In Isaiah. Again, it's in Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 8. Thus says Yehovah, sovereign or king of Israel, and his redeemer, Yehovah of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no Elohim. Who is like me? Let him call and declare it and lay it before me. Since I appointed the everlasting people and the events that are coming and those that do come, let them declare these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. I have not since made you hear and declared it and declared it. You are my witnesses. Is there an Elohah? Is in other words, a God? Is there a God besides me? There is no other rock. Watch this. I know not one. Now here's what's crazy about all of that. Yeshua says. 
I'm going to tell you that this is about to happen before it happens so that when it does happen, you will know that I am that I am. Wow. You talk about him declaring deity, oneness with the Father, God in the flesh. It's where we come up with our, you know, Trinitarian doctrine, if you will, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and all that. If you want to argue all that, that's fine. Don't ask me to explain it. Don't ask any theologian to explain it because you can't. Some will say, well, this really is Yahovah in the flesh. I'm like, well, that's interesting because Yeshua was talking to him a lot, praying to him a lot, and he said, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only say what I hear the Father telling me, you know, um, <laughs> if Yeshua's God, then he's God, amen? And if God wants to reveal himself, what if he wanted to reveal himself a million different ways? You and I got a problem with that. Better not, because he's God. He's outside of our rules and our reasoning. So if he wants to display himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and maybe a dozen other ways, you and I better get happy with it. Because if you're saved and you're going to be with him forever, you're going to see that forever. And what if in forever, somewhere in forever, he decides to reveal himself another new way? Hallelujah. But there's a lot of people, man, they get all worked up like, because they can't rationalize it. I'm like, you don't, maybe you don't understand that, that this human rationaling, rationalizing things is how Abraham got with Hagar and the list goes on and on and Judas tries to help Jesus by giving him over to the Pharisees and the Romans and the list goes on and on and every single time we've tried to solve a problem we thought God had, we've messed it up because we got outside of God's plan and started doing our plan, which we really didn't mess the whole thing up because God knew we would do our plan. So he put it within his plan. Yeah, go mull that one over for a while. That'll make you crazy. Uh, God's outside of all of that. Um, what I find amazing in this whole thing is how Yeshua says, listen, I'm in total control. Now watch this. They should have clearly, and I think they probably did, understand that statement. Because they knew their Old Testament. Why? Because that's the only Bible they had. They weren't reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, and all the rest of it. They didn't have that yet. They studied the Torah and they studied the scriptures. Um, and they, they knew, I, I just believe that they knew uh, these statements. I just believe that they, they understood that this was, he's using a phrase that they would have been familiar with that, well, that's what Yahovah said. And now you're telling me and telling us that you're going to tell us these events beforehand so that when it does happen, we'll know that you are the I am. We will know that you are in the Greek, the ego me or a share, a yeah, a share, which means I am that I am or I will be what I will be in the Hebrew, uh, which is the, the verbs that are 
represented by the letters in the name yod Hey vav Hey, meaning God will exist in any way, form, and fashion He wants to exist when He wants to exist that way. Because He does exist. And all else exists because of Him. And there are no other gods. There aren't other ways to the Heavenly Father. There's one way, one God, one Savior. Um, so <laughs> I just I want to leave you with this that I, I believe that what God is calling us to do is to be examples of Yeshua to those around us. And you and I need to do that even when things go bad. Even even when things go bad. You know, um, yesterday was a hard day for me. I want, I'll tell you something. It's not bragging at all. I, I, I had kind of reached a, the breaking point where I was just like, uh, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I'm fixing to go spend $1,800 I don't have and I'll put it on the card and figure it out in 30 days because I always pay it off. So I'll, I'll go find it somehow. I haven't rented out Sonia and Renee yet, but I'll go find it somehow. So here's what happened. So I'm at Lowe's because I had checked. They said they had two. I get there. A guy comes up to help me. And I said, he goes, it says we have four. I went, okay. He goes back and he goes, well, I, I, I couldn't find one. I'm like, okay, well, that's odd. And he goes, well, let me go look again. So I, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm texting Sonia. She goes, you still there? I said, yeah, I'm still here. She goes, okay. And I was like, well, all right. I literally sat down underneath there, you know, the little pergola thing they got set up. And I'm like, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to, instead of sitting on fertilizer, I'm going to sit in a chair, you know. And so he, they come back up and uh, they wheel up this lawnmower. And I went, what happened right here? I don't know. And we're looking at the seat, and the seat's all faded real bad. I'm like, this thing looks like it's been sitting outside a long time. And he goes, yeah. And the guy that's helping me goes, man, I'd, I'd ask for a discount on this one because that ain't right. He goes, man, this, this one had to have been sitting out a long time. He goes, I don't know. It's, it's back there in the back and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, something's wrong. I lifted up the hood, and it's all dirty under there. You know, I'm like, what's the story on this, you know? The other guy that was helping me, and then we, we lifted up the, the guard on the side, you know, where it throws the grass out and went, dude, this thing's been used. This has been brought back, right? And so I, can you get a manager over here? And he's looking at it, and he's like, what's the story? And I said, no, you tell me the story. I said, what's the deal? I came here to buy a lawnmower, and this one's been used. I don't know what the story is. He goes, we can't sell you that lawnmower. He goes, something's wrong. Whoever got that lawnmower had to have gotten it the wrong place. He goes, that had to have been brought. And I said, well, yeah, somebody brought it back, and they didn't bring it back because they didn't like the color. It's got to be a problem. I said, so what's the story? So he says, well, we're not selling it. He said, there's got to be a tag or something. He said, I think that was brought back for some kind of maintenance or something. Somebody stuck it in the wrong place. We're not selling you that lawnmower. I'm like, okay, great. I've already been there for over an hour, you know, and I'm like, I'm trying to think, you know, I, I'm just trying to get back home. Sabbath is coming. I, you know, Sonia's on her way to Tyler. I've had a great day so far, you know. And uh, he, the guy goes, you come with me. He goes, those numbers in the computer got to be right. We're going to get you a lawnmower. We'll, we'll go find one. So they, they disappear. 
I'm sitting there, you know, looking on my phone, playing, you know, I'm like, whatever, you know, burning up my battery. Like, I'm just sitting here watching people go in and out of Lowe's. I'm like, I'm afraid to go shopping because I think they're going to come and find me, right? So I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, I got a noose around me. I'm just sitting here waiting. So the guy comes back down the aisle and he does this. And I'm like, okay, found a lawnmower. And he goes, matter of fact, it's still in the box. I was like, okay. He goes, this, you talk about new, this is new. And he goes, we kind of got to put the deck and stuff on. I'm like, okay. So I went and sat back down. Probably another 45 plus minutes goes by or longer. And all of a sudden I look and here they come pushing that lawnmower from the other side of the store, you know. And I'm talking to these two guys. I'm getting to a point because I'm just there. I'm just there going whatever, you know. And I helped these guys push it up onto the trailer and they both looked at me and they said, I think you were here to give us uh, moral, emotional support today. And I went, oh, okay. Well, another day in paradise, right? And they said, yeah. And uh, so we pushed it up there and I winched it down and everything, you know, tied, strapped it down and everything. And I drove off and I went, how did I give them emotional support I'm sitting under a pergola, playing on my phone. But I'd been there probably two hours. I got home right before dark, and then I still had to put up the animals. <laughs> you know, anyways. But here's the only thing I can think of is that I wasn't going off on them. That's the only thing I can think because I didn't think I did anything. I literally, when he said it, I'm like, what? I'm just a customer here. Uh, how could I give you emotional encouragement? Well, I'm, I'm just here. And the only thing I can think of is because maybe I had a smile on my face. At least I wasn't, you know, uh, giving them a hard time, belly aching, griping, blah, 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 like you can see happening. Um, and I thought, wow. And I... Maybe God allowed me to do all of that to just be a teaching moment for me and all of us because after I buy it, then I come home also to find out that Brandon and Michelle are moving to Connecticut. Yeah, so we need to be praying for them, and I went, oh, great, you know, yeah. And, uh, and he goes, hey, I got a lawnmower I need to get rid of because I can't use it, and it's like crazy. I paid $3,000 for it. It's got some hours on it, you know, not that many, and he goes, but I need, I'll sell it to you cheap. And I went, this lawnmower's still sitting on the trailer. I hadn't even unstrapped it. He goes, well, take it back. I'll let you have this one. And I went, <laughs> okay, God. Well, that was an interesting trip, <laughs> right? When I'm going to be talking about washing Judas's feet and being an example and Jesus saying, if I can't make it any more clear than this, I am God in the flesh. And if I can do this for Judas, you can do this for everybody else around you. And maybe God puts us in a position to where, look, just be nice. And you never know. I have no idea. No idea. I will tell you that they did kind of look frazzled. Like maybe they'd had a hard day. I thought I'd had a hard day. Maybe they'd had a really hard day. I don't know what's going on in their personal life. Maybe their personal life is all blown up. You know, it could be a train wreck. I have no idea. But here's a guy trying to buy a lawnmower. Looks kind of like Santa Claus, but bald. 
and uh, he's had a hard day, and they couldn't find, and they try to sell him a used, or they try to sell him a used one, it's dirty, they go back, and they got to put it back together, and I'm sitting underneath a pergola playing on my phone, and I've been there for two hours, and he says, thank you for giving us emotional encouragement today. Well, praise God, right? I don't say that to brag on myself, because I think, I think I was just too tired to care anymore. Because it had just been, well, I was like, I told Josh before the service, I reached a point where I don't want to say, what else, God? I mean, I'm like, no, don't, don't say anything. Just keep your head down, keep going, try to get under the radar. Uh, but I think that's just where I had reached that point. And I was like, well, you know, okay, here we are. <clears throat> Folks, we just, we need to be trying to minister to people no matter where we are. Be Jesus. I heard, you know, a kid said this once, we need to be Jesus with skin on. For, you know, for other people. We need to be, display the love of Christ to those around us. And folks, I think quite often it includes at least one, uh, if you will, Judas. Somebody that we really shouldn't like at all. And Jesus goes, forgive them and even be a servant to them if need be. I could chase that topic where he says, you know, if they ask for your shirt, give them your coat too. Or if they ask for your coat, give them shirt too. If they ask you to go one mile, go two miles, they strike your left cheek, give them your right cheek. It's, you know, he gives us this example and teaching on and on and on and on. But folks, that's not just people that you should like. It's people that we shouldn't like as well. Amen.